Dr. Claire Middle was born in England and raised in both England and Australia. She earned her veterinary degree as a member of the first class to graduate from Murdoch University in 1979. She entered private practice and took a basic short course in veterinary acupuncture in 1981. After working with Natural Solutions to help her own children with their health issues, Dr. Middle earned a professional diploma in homeopathy and her certification in acupuncture from IVIS in the early 1990s. She was also trained in animal chiropractic by Dr. Sharon Willoughby. She worked at, then purchased, the East Fremantle Veterinary Clinic, an integrative veterinary practice that offers allopathic medicine in conjunction with homeopathy, acupuncture, herbal medicine, flower essences, Reiki, Bowen therapy, and kinesiology from a variety of practitioners, including veterinarians and veterinary nurses, craniosacral therapists, chiropractors, and spiritual healers. Seeking to restrict her practice to holistic medicine, Dr. Middle sold the practice in 2004 and began to work in a private consultation room, which continues to this day. In 2019, she moved to Bellingham, Western Australia, and continued to practice in a private consultation room, both in person and via telemedicine. Dr. Middle was the founding president of the Australian Association of Holistic Veterinarians, which has since become the Integrative Veterinarians of Australia. She has also published three books on natural diets for pets. Please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Claire Middle as we talk about her childhood interest in veterinary medicine, what it was like to be in the inaugural veterinary class at Murdoch, her journey into holistic veterinary medicine, and where she sees her career after over 40 years in practice. Dr. Middle, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Hi, Neil. It's great to talk to you. So where did you grow up? I was actually born in England, um, and I was there until I was three years old, and then my parents decided to emigrate to Tasmania. Um, so we, yeah, we moved to Tasmania. Um, I had an older brother. And my sister was born a month after we arrived in Tasmania in the summer, poor mum. And, yeah, Tasmania was great. Um, my parents had cats. They were scared of dogs and horses. But um, I discovered horses and went horse riding in my primary years. Um, and I remember I'd been learning ballet and my ballet teacher said, this horse riding is making your toes turn in, not out. <laughs> and you've got to choose between horse riding and ballet. So I chose horse riding. Um, then when, when I was 10, my parents decided they wanted to go back to the UK to visit, you know, to see ageing relatives, etc. And my father got a job in Aberystwyth, which is in the mid-coast of Wales. Um, you know, he, he was an academic. Um, so we moved to Wales. I was 10 years old. They had this um, system called the 11 Plus, so I had, to, I had a one year of primary school left, so I had to learn Welsh as a second language. Um, oh. <laughs> and which I managed, we got up at five in the morning and did radio lessons. So, um, and so I remember from each primary school, like it was quite a small town and quite a small primary school. Um, and it was the cook's daughter or me, you know, who would get through to mm -hmm. um, pass the 11 plus. And that basically decided whether you went to a comprehensive school, which meant you had no chance of ever going to university and getting tertiary education, or mm -hmm. you went to the grammar school, you know, where you did, you know, I would have. And at that age also, I decided that. I wanted to be a vet, you know, when I was about 10 or 11. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I remember I saved up my pocket money until I had 50 shillings and I bought Black's Veterinary Dictionary <laughs> and it was like my Bible. <laughs> so I had, I had it under my bed and I used to sort of read bits of it because 
Um, so I was obviously very keen to be a vet back then, you know, so I, and I realised that if I didn't pass the 11 plus, I'd never be able to get to university and, and do vet medicine. So that, it, you know, so I think the year after that they scrapped the 11 plus system because it obviously wasn't very fair. Um, anyway, I, I, I got, I passed and the cook's daughter didn't. And I remember, and they had cook uh, lunches every day at those schools then that you paid a shilling for. And I remember the cook glaring over the, as she ladled soup in my bowl at me because I'd done her daughter out of a place. I mean, it was just such an archaic system. Anyway, so I went to the, the grammar school there. Um, it was sort of like half in Welsh and half in English, so I just did the English stream. And I spent time with a local vet who was very much like the James Herriot type character in, you know, that program, All Creatures Great and Small. Don't if, yeah. did you did you guys yeah. have that in the States? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Anyway, so, I mean, he was a classic. So I just went around, you know, walking in the mud in my Wellington, so opening gates, holding horses' leaves for him, and it, you know, because I was just totally dedicated even at that stage. I knew what I wanted to do. Um, so I did the science stream, which was unusual then. Not, not many girls did science in, you know, in, in a high school then. Um, and then, you know, when, when I was 16, you know, I thought, well, if I want to do vet science, I'm going to have to go to Liverpool in England. You know, like that was the closest place I could go to to, um, to do vet. And they had, they took, they had a 1% female intake. <laughs> so like yeah. some, some years it will be all men. The next year mm-hmm. it will be like one female and the rest men. <laughs> So I didn't have a very good chance of getting in. And then um, my like my um, grandfather died and various things happened and so my parents thought, oh, let's go back to Australia again. So my my father got a job in Perth, Western Australia, um, and, and we had it was easy to have quite a large property and be fairly close to the city, you know, because it's a small city. So I was actually allowed mm-hmm. to have a horse and a donkey as well. <laughs> so ah. I was very pleased to move. Um, but then I just had one year. So I'd done my O-levels in Wales. You know, in, in the UK you do O-levels and A-levels two years later. So I'd done my O-levels. I came out here. It was a totally different system. had to do leaving and matric. So I had mm-hmm. a, year, a year to catch up on lots of maths and all sorts of strange things. I didn't even have to do biology, which is strange, but they heavily weighted maths and chemistry. So, so I managed to. I remember our physics teacher um, didn't have a qualification. They were short of physics teachers I think he was a phys ed teacher <laughs> they got the phys oh, right shit. so a few a few of us who were really keen to do well in our in our leaving we just sat at someone's home and taught ourselves and we all did really well <laughs> so oh, much wow. better than the kids who stayed with the teacher so yes I was with luckily a group who were you know quite intent on doing well um so I, I did get in um well I, I, I got good enough marks that was 1973 so there was a new university opening in 1975 the Murdoch University so there was a University of Western Australia there which is um but this was a new university opening and it, and they were going to offer vet science which previously wasn't available in Western Australia so I just spent a year working in a um research laboratory um at the university which I mean they they did um pig liver transplants dog kidney transplants they were checking transplant drugs. I mean, that, they wouldn't allow the sort of research that we did then now. But I mean, yeah. it, and I and I and the the lady who ran the animal laboratory was amazing. So I learned. I just worked for her and did learn lots from her. But it was pretty awful at times because the dogs rejected their kidneys and things. But anyway, so that was sort of an experience. And then the next year was 1975. So I was I was in the first intake of vet science students at that university ever. You know, I was there on the first day it opened. Um, 
So um, there were about 200 of us total. That was just art students and vet students and everything. So it was a great experience. Um, and it was the 70s, so they wanted it to be, um, you know, we decided um, ourselves about a lot of things. They, you know, so we just had this big meeting and decided that we probably did need a student guild. <laughs> like they hadn't organised anything. So we, oh, thought, yeah. we need a guild to organise buses so we can get here in the morning. <laughs> So it was like that. And so that was oh. a brilliant experience. And I remember we had these Friday night happy hours in the vet school with the staff um, and the staff and, and the students would say, we didn't like question number three in such and such a test, you know, the anatomy test. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and then the, st- the staff would say, oh, okay, we'll scrap that. We'll change all your marks. And, you know, <laughs> so it was a very experiential situation. Um, and it was great. It was fun. You know, it was so positive. Um, and they in- encouraged us to do, a course outside. Well, they made us do a course outside science. So, so, mm-hmm. I, so I compared um, Jung and Freud's dream theories, I think, with someone in the arts um, arts department. So, yeah, I was, you know, so it was great. So, at the end of the course, I graduated in 1979. So, there were 48 of us who graduated. So, that we were the first vets to graduate in WA. Um, and and I I just thought that was a great course. They didn't teach me how to fix um, a lot of dogs with. Pain, for example, with bad backs, this, that, you know, some chronic mm-hmm. conditions, you know, because like we've been taught to think really outside the square. So so it's like, yeah, well, what's going to fix the crookbacks and the this and the chronic disease? <laughs> so there was a right. there was a there was a vet in Brisbane who married a, a an acupuncturist who treats humans, and she walked around his clinic and said, "You're mad not using acupuncture on some of these animals." So he did a a, a human course in acupuncture. Uh-huh. And, then, and then he went around all the different capital cities in Australia doing a weekend course. He said, bring, borrow a greyhound from a client or a friend and I'll meet you at Murdoch University and we'll, I'll teach you at, um, Chinese medicine in three days. And he yeah. did a brilliant job. That was David Gilchrist. I mean, good oh, uh-huh. Um So a lot of us did that three-day course and, and I did that for 10 years and I got great results in a lot of cases. Um, and then in 1990, that was when IVAS came to Australia, you know, so so there were some um, very enterprising vets in Melbourne, Ulrika Worth and, or, you know, all those guys, Carl Buller, and they had done human acupuncture courses and they and they organised the IVAS course to be in Melbourne. So, so I, you know, I mean, I remember my, I signed up, I just thought there's no reason I'm not doing this. You know, I've got to, but it was hard to organise because my kids were little. You know, one, oh, yeah. you know, one child had only, was going to have his first day in kindy and so mum took a, you know, week off work to look after them. And I, you know, I caught the plane. I was by myself for the first time in years with no kids around me. So, um, and I remember sitting in the first lecture, and they were talking about Chinese medicine, and I just thought, "This is cuckoo. This is nuts." You know how Chinese medicine can sound. You know when oh, we yeah. talk about it. And I, I put my pen down. I looked all around the room, and everyone was all busy writing. And I thought, well, you know, they obviously think this is for real. So I'm just going to sit and wait and see if I can work out what it's on about. And honestly, I kid you not, it felt like a, a, like a door opened between my left and my right brain. And I suddenly yeah. thought, oh, I understand what they're on about. Like it, it works in with what I already know. <laughs> so, ah, just- so, so I picked up my pen and started writing and I was onto it. You know, it was, it was just a really interesting experience. Um, and, and then also in the 1980s, so I had my children, um, 19... 84, 1987, and both of them had adverse reactions to their vaccinations. They just got um, 
just an ongoing respiratory infection. They just were a bit immune suppressed and they, they were put on lots of antibiotics. And, and I just thought, I don't want to keep giving the kids antibiotics you know, continuously. And I discovered homeopathy. Um, so there was a homeopath who just fixed them in two days. <laughs> you know, and ah. I, thought, I thought, why didn't they teach me this? Ben Murdoch. <laughs> you know, right. So, so I, I found a course in homeopathy for humans that Brower, uh, there was a, a big homeopathic company in South Australia ran, and I, and I did that online. Um, <clears throat> like, well, you didn't have online then, but they, they sent you, you know, they, they, they sent you the things and you had to have someone invigilate and then you sent it back again. So so I did, hmm. I did, I did a course for doctors and dentists, basically, because there was nothing for vets. And, yes. and and I, and my homeopath mentored me, you know, good honour, you know. So so I mean, I, I then I started using homeopathy, and I remember when I went to the first IVAS course in 1990, there were a whole pile of us who'd been using, you know, homeopathy and uh, and herbs and other modalities, and 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 we just met each other for the first time. You know, it was so amazing. Uh, Rebecca Palmer was there. Um, mm-hmm. And um, you know, just and it was like we met our, you know, our soul brothers and sisters. Like, oh, I'm not the only one weird and doing this, you know. Um, yeah, so it was brilliant, you know, meeting those people. Um, and yeah, so so we we all IVAS graduated. Um, I think we got the best marks ever of any IVAS course because they were all so keen and we'd been just sort of, you know, waiting to be taught. So yeah. that was that was 1991. And then since then, the IVAS courses rolled every three years or so in in Australia. How many were in that first class? Um, fifty. They took each time. Yeah, and I think they've always just taken fifty because we used the 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 fifth year vet um, farm, which was um, out at Werribee, just out of Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then um, we yeah we had a. Sharon Willoughby came over and ran a chiropractic course. You know, so oh, a few sure, people, yeah, few, few people started doing chiropractic. Um, and I remember we so we so the the acupuncture like Ulrika Worth and and Carl and all those lot they actually um, formed a special interest group of the Australian Veterinary Association um, in acupuncture you know so they they'd officially made acupuncture a special interest and they and that you know they joined the AVA which is brilliant you know and they did a really good job with that like trying to not seem too weird you know and becoming yeah, right. become accepted um, so that that would have been. Um, in the early 90s, they did that, I think. Um, and then um, Carissa Smith said to me, um, oh, look, there's, you know, pe- people in this acupuncture group, because we just had a paper newsletter we'd post around there. So, you know, Carissa said, oh, there's some people don't like us a lot putting homeopathy and herbs in with the acupuncture case histories, you know, because they say it confuses them and they just want acupuncture. And she said, why don't we just form another group, you know, of people who do, um, you know, homeopathy and herbs and Bowen and whatever else, you know, chiropractic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I, so I remember I rocked up at the um, the, the fifth year centre in Melbourne, which is a long way from Perth. I mean, I think what I was there, I'd been there for a week doing Sharon Willoughby's course, and the next yeah. week, the next week was going to be one of the modules of the IVS course that was running at the time. So we decided that if I rolled up in between the two on the crossover day, we'd get the most people interested. And the Australian Veterinary Association said we needed forty names on a piece of paper, and we could be a special interest group. So, ah. um, and Carissa um, put adverts around. She put one in our newsletter, except it didn't end up getting in in time. So she just told a few people. And of course, you know, in those days, we didn't have mobile phones or the internet or anything. You know, you just yeah, told, yeah. told people stuff. Um, and I thought, oh, no one's done turn up, but that's fine. You know, and I, um, 
so I, I and I remember it was yeah, it would have been would have been the um that's right it they'd had the IVAS week and then I'd arrived mm-hmm. to do the do Sharon's course and and I and I had to catch the train from the airport in Melbourne and get to Werribee get off and walk a couple of kilometers to um you know to where we were holding the course and it was absolutely pouring with rain and I arrived mm-hmm. there soaking wet I went to the room that Carissa had organized thinking like no one's going to turn up to this and there, yeah. were, there were 40 people in there were 40 vets so I said do you guys, do you guys want to you know um, start an integrated group it's like yeah they all signed up that that's it. great yeah it's amazing you know because like we you know we'd hardly been able to advertise it and um, so then we we were a second um, in, um, special interest group of the APA. So now we we still have an acupuncture group and and, and an integrative group, um, and you know I mean they give us a blooming hard time, but we've persisted in trying to stay, um, you know, in in the AVA because we, you know, to be fully integrated and cohesive and talk to each other, and we want young vets to know that you know these things are on offer for them. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a bit of a rocky road, but we've made it so far. <laughs> so. That's great. So, what sort of practices have you have you been in in during so, that time? Yeah. So, when when I was at um, vet school, just just down the road, I used to cycle to a vet clinic, a suburb, just a suburban small animal vet clinic, and and do do some work at weekends. You know, I did the desk and clean out kennels, and you know, just for a bit of pocket money. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 when I got to the end of fifth year, they said, "Oh, well, you may as well just come back on Monday. We'll give you a job." You know, because like in those days, <laughs> like people did that. You know, like you because I and and there was one of the vets there, and she let me do cat castrations and things. And again, that wouldn't be allowed these days, you know. But then, you right. know, and, and I you know, did a few cat abscesses, and and they and they said, "Yeah, you're right to go Monday. We need another vet. Fine." Um, and that was seventy nine. So that was the height of the parvo epidemic when it first started. Yes. Yeah. So I basically spent, well, I think they needed me just to look after all the blooming puppies on drips as parvo. You know, we had a whole room full of them, um, mm-hmm. you know, everyone did then. So, um, yeah, so that's my first job. Um, I'd, I'd done quite a lot of horse riding as well and I was interested in horses. Um, so I ended up a couple of years after that I got a job at um, the Cottesdale Hospital. So that's a really posh, rich person's area in Perth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember Pete um, going, walking down the road sewing up horses, you know, which there's absolutely no way people would be able to have horses on their blocks there now, you know. But yeah. so, I, so I did a little bit of horse work, but, you know, that's a special field, so I really just t- stuck with small animals. Um, and then I um, I became, you know, because I was doing acupuncture and homeopathy and using more and more natural therapies. Um, I mean, that 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 um, vet there, bless him, even though he said acupuncture didn't work, actually paid to do my acupuncture course. So, ah, very so, good. So go figure that one. Um, so, um, and and I just used more and more. So then um, I was working for um, a guy on the East Mantle Vet Clinic, um, mm-hmm. and and I because I just lived up the road from there, and I was in the middle of having my kids and breastfeeding and things. So so I sort of you know worked there for a couple of years, and then he decided to sell it, and I'd actually made a niche for myself using natural therapies. I had quite a few clients. I had vet referrals, even though I was only working part time, um, and and I thought, oh blow it, I have to buy the rigid thing, you know, and I didn't want to buy a vet clinic, but that no yeah. that really nowhere else I could have practiced natural therapies easily. You know, uh-huh. so I, I thought, you know, so I bought it. Um and I mean we we had a great time. I had ended up having two vets who did acupuncture there, you know, who were um IVS accredited and um we we had a, an energy healer there. We had network chiropractors there. Oh because um, there was a network chiropractor who moved to Perth and I just mm-hmm. got I got caros from her clinic 
and they they laughed, didn't they? Just you know, the animals responded so quickly and easily. Right? Um, and we had a lady who was a craniosacral therapist who had actually treated my son very successfully um, after he had dental work and he had all sorts of horrendous problems. Um, and and she just fixed him, you know, in her treatment. So so then we had craniosacral happening, and and we treated heaps of epileptic dogs with craniosacral. Um, mm-hmm. And I had a um, yeah some other vet friends who did different modalities. So we we I mean really we had a ball, you know, because it was just um, you know we were the first um, natural therapies vet clinic in Perth. Um, yes. So so that so that was great. Um, and then eventually it got to the stage where, you know, like I, I was better not in a vet clinic, you know, because I was just doing natural therapy referrals. Um, yes. And, um, you know, and I needed a, a nice quiet space to do acupunctures and whatever. So in 2004 I sold the clinic um, and I just worked from the front room of my house. I mean, I had it registered as a vet clinic um, and um, I worked there until nearly three years ago. So so when our daughter um, came and lived with us with bad Lyme disease. She took three years to, for her to get better, and, and we sort of hadn't so much, you know. And she, her husband, turned out to be nasty. So lots of legal and medical bills later, we thought, oh, we haven't really paid enough off our mortgage, and <laughs> we're in our sixties then. Um, so my husband and I, and we bought this house in Bailing Up, you know, which is about three hours south of Perth in a beautiful area, and it was mm-hmm. a, just as a holiday rental. You know, we bought it with our superannuation. Mm-hmm. And, and we thought, well, we could go and live in Bailing Up. <laughs> and I didn't know how the, how my practice would go or whatever, but in a way we didn't really have a choice because it would have been silly to, you know, keep on with a mortgage for too long then. So so we yeah. sold our house um, and, um, yeah, moved down here near, near, nearly three years ago. And I just, again, I, 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 I had a room, built a freestanding room, the same dimensions as by the front room of my house in in Perth, so that the vet surgeon's board wouldn't think it was too weird. You know, at least I could say, well, it's the same as I had before. <laughs> you know, sure, so, yeah. And they came and looked at it and, you know, it was different. But they they said, you need hot and cold running water. And I said, we don't, we're not on Wayne's water here and it, this is, you know, it's a long way from the house. So I said, I can put up a small rainwater tank catching the water off the roof and feed it into the tap in the sink <laughs> so we can have running cold water. And they're like, oh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> so, oh. um it, you know, because I can easily go over the house um, to get hot water if I needed it. So anyway, so I've got this really neat clinic, you know, with all my um, homeopathics, and I've also become a, um, a registered homeopath with the Australian Register of Homeopaths. So, so I, I I do see some people as well, you know, to treat ah. homeopathically. So I've got a uh-huh. lot of homeopathics I've collected over the decades, and I've got Chinese herbs. So, oh, and then um, I forgot to say that Bruce Ferguson um, arrived from. Um, I think he used to live in Florida, so mm-hmm. so he he moved to Perth because his wife had a, an academic placing. Um, yeah, and um, and he just ran all these courses. There are like a dozen of us. So like you know, Sarah came from Kununurra, which is, and they all came from Melbourne and Sydney and to Perth, and we just sat in this room. I think there would have been thirty of us at the most. Um, yes, yeah. like, Bruce is going to run his course. We don't have to go to the states to do it. So, so he did Chinese herbs for us over about three years. You know, we had two modules a year, I think, and uh-huh. we had great had great time. You know, um, so that was good. So I learned Chinese herbs, which I always wanted to, um, and I've, and I've, and I'm self taught Western herbs as well. So I use a lot mm-hmm. of Western herbs. Um, yeah. So and so the. I had a lot of clients from Perth who'd either like drive the three hours down and then, you know, see, bring their dog in here, have lunch, drive back to Perth, or even make an excuse to 
you know, stay here for the weekend because it's a popular place for people to stay for a weekend in, in uh-huh. holiday accommodation. Um, or I do and, and see, I set my clinic up um, the end of November 2019 and then, you know, two, two, three months later COVID started. So I morphed into doing a lot of telemedicine quite easily. So mm. that I was very lucky, you know, that I was, a lot of it was telemedicine from Perth. Um, you know, and, and increasing local clientele, you know, so I'm, you know, really busy again now. Um, and I even had a few um, phone consults from clients in Melbourne, you know, who couldn't get to their um, acupuncture vets, you know, because there are dogs that only respond to acupuncture for their bad back pain and that yes. the, the people weren't allowed to drive more than five kilometres in the lockdown, you know, and that went on for months in Melbourne. So mm-hmm. I remember one lady she phoned up and said, look, my dog's in pain. I can't drive to Kim to get acupuncture. And, I, and so I did a FaceTime and I, told, I showed her how to do um, Twainar on, yeah. on, yeah. on, on, on a dog. And the dog got up, shook itself, walked out, and was fine. <laughs> so, oh, um, great. You know, so it's like it, things we do when we're pushed. Um, but, yeah, so I, so I did a few um, and doing diet because poor vets in Melbourne, you know, they, they had to wear masks for months. And and, mm-hmm. and it really slows the process down, as everyone knows, for vets just doing a normal consult. You know, so I did a lot of adding on the natural diet because that's my special interest. Um, you know, I've, I've, I wrote a book in 2008 called Real Food for Dogs and Cats. So, and and then, um, so, so I just did the diet for vets that didn't have the time, you know, to do that. They needed to get on to the next client. So that was fun. Um and then Fremantle Press, who published my book, decided to do a reprint, which was great, in um, 2020. Um, so I had a photographic cover and we did a, you know, I did a bit of a, as soon as we could, later in 2020, we could move around. So I I, I did a bit of a um, natural diet talk tour to some, you know, southwest towns down here. Um, and, yeah, so, um, yeah, so life's rolling along now, yeah. Was there a lot of changes you had to make to the book? Over that time? No, it was mainly just some references and the odd bits and pieces, but I think they just thought it was more trendy to have a photographic cover instead of a cartoon cover. Um, yeah. Um, not, I mean, I thought the cartoon was good, but anyway. That, so, I mean, they were brilliant. You know, like I haven't paid them a dollar. You know, like they've they've just um, organised it um, and it's still going. And then, and then since then I've written the um, – I did the uh, Chi Institute um, Food Therapy course online yes Um, yes and so then and then from the basis of that i I wrote my natural prescription diets for dogs and cats book so so i I did a diet um for each well for for the the basic six chinese medicine patterns i tried to simplify it um so so you know quite a few vets use that because it's just a diet sitting there that people can take a photo of with their phone or whatever you know if it needs a cheat tonic diet if it's got ibd or the indeficient diet, if it's got Cushing's or whatever, yeah. So, um, and then um, more recently, actually in 2019, just before we moved here, um, Honey's Real Dog Food in England, you know, because I'm in the Raw Feeding Vets group that's largely mm-hmm. English-based, um, the Honey's Real Food, which is their major sponsor um, or follower, anyway, he he said, oh, we're, we're going to do cat food now as well as dogs, so can you just write a, a book about cat food? So i so he he very kindly sort of sponsored me to and paid me to do that. So so I I wrote a just a real cat food book again, which has recipes for different conditions and some herbs and homeopathics in it as well. Um, and so I did an English version. So so we had um you know like 
possums and pheasants and things that English cats eat, so, which is amazing because I remember he, I, I looked through some of his suggested recipes and I said, but you haven't added fish oil, you know, where's, where's the essential fatty acid? And he said, these wild-caught animals like pheasants, they're full of it. You don't have to add it. And I thought, oh, what a luxury. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. have to add fish oil, particularly, say, kangaroo meat here is, is, had got very low fat. You know, uh-huh. so you really, you have to just add fatty acids to everything, really. Um, I mean, apart from some fish. Um, so that was a learning experience. And then he, he said, "Look, you can write your own version. You know, you, you know, we're not going to copyright it." So then I, you know, crossed out all the pheasants and um, and, 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 and and put and put in, um, you know, kangaroo and goat and things. So 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 I've got my Australian version now. So that so that's just a really, a good one for cat only people. You know, because oh, it's much more about cats. Yeah. Um, yeah do you, so think, do you enjoy the writing? Yes. Yeah, I do because you know, like I'm a food nerd, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I, and I think I'm very slightly autistic. You know, so I actually really enjoy putting information down. You know, I just I like I really like learning information. Um, yeah. So yeah. So yes, I do. But also, it's more for me as well because I I was spending a lot of time on telling people about diet in a consult and I also mm-hmm. just needed to simplify that. That's why I wrote the original book. It's just like, his book, read it, you know, don't have to stand yeah. here for now telling about it in, basically. Um, yeah, so it, sim- it simplifies um, my life certainly. Does it, it – I, I imagine it, it eliminates some follow-up then when you're consulting with your clients about nutrition, right? Just read the book. Yes, and also with the diet, I just say, like, I'll photograph – you know, the Yang Tonic diet for you and, you know, text it to you. <laughs> so yeah, it makes it easier. Do you enjoy working it uh, from home? Oh, yeah. And I'm uh, particularly because this is a small town and it's got a really sort of active, nice community, you know, which are natural therapies minded and, yeah, it's brilliant. So it's, um, you know, yeah, it's uh, it fit, fits in hopefully really well, yeah. So, um, and you've put a lot of work into your website, over the years, yeah. <laughs> you know, it can, it's just, it's very detailed and I, I want to congratulate you because there's just a lot of information there that people could benefit from. Oh, good. Thank you for that. Yeah, but I mean, it, it, you know, as we said, I mean, it does save us a lot of time as well. Um, yeah. Um, and so have you, you with COVID you, and you slid into doing the telemedicine, was it quite easy to do that? Uh, well, yes. See, because I've moved down from Perth, I had a lot of Perth clients. You know, I had thousand, I think I had four thousand clients on my books from Perth since yeah. since I since I'd moved home. You know, that wasn't including these three ones, and and then so so they'd phone up and order more herbs. So a lot of it was just posting out repeat herb orders, and then you know I'd do a phone consult to maybe change the herbs a bit, and you know, and and then they'd say, oh, you've moved. What is, what am I going to do? And so I put a list of natural therapy vets in Perth on my website, but most of them do acupuncture only one or two do homeopathy um, and some of them do Chinese herbs. You know, so, so, I've, um, so I've sort of farmed out as many to those guys as I could um, and that's worked well. But, they're, I mean, they're, they're so busy too. I mean, really there's a shortage of natural therapy vets in, well, over here anyway as far as we can see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you find yourself doing this remote consulting, do you have to send, uh, send the materials you want the clients to use to them? Yeah, I just post them out. They get to Perth in a couple of days. So there's some extra legwork for you then. 
Yes, it is. It is, I must admit, a bit time consuming. You know, so I don't earn a great salary, but, uh, you know, so that's fine. Um, you know, don't need a lot of, when I mean, we're grow, growing you know, some of our own food and, you know, people are into swapping veggies here. <laughs> yes, that's fine. Have you found a problem, at least at my office? I mean, people just wait until the last minute. Does it, is, how, have, how have you gotten around that with your clients so they don't run out and all of a sudden you've got to package something up at the last minute and get it to Perth? I mean, some will play, say, Posted Express, so I, I can probably get it there the next day, mostly by Express if they want to pay a bit more. Yeah, so it's not too bad. I was hoping for some some uh, brilliant tip that you could give, give me to that I, how I could train people to work a little better. Yeah, I mean, I do. I've, I've worked out what people can get from the pharmacy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so so I, I will send people out to the pharmacy quite a bit. <laughs> you know, for you know, sort of rion bark and marshmallow for diarrhea and various things. Yeah, but and yeah. there are and they can actually pick up homeopathics from some places in Perth too. Ah, sure. So, how how what part of your practice do you is for people now, for the homeopathy? I've because my daughter had Lyme disease, um, and then I, you know, had an interest. And I've, I've, I'm pretty sure I've seen some dogs with Lyme disease and treated them, um, most mainly with good results. Um, I've I've I'm, I've treated three people now with Lyme disease, just because I've got a bit of a handle on it. Um, yeah. And because it's like people don't know much about it here. You know, in the States, it, 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 you know, it's been around for ages. When it started here, people said, you don't get Lyme disease here. You know, and, and the tests were showing negative because we actually had Borrelia Queensland eye. You know, so ah. the, te- the tests weren't showing positive because we had our own little species. But the Infecto labs in Germany picked up all the species. So we ended up having to send the blood over to Germany to get diagnosed properly. And I think they're still oh. doing that. Um, ah, okay. I think, yeah. When you when you were in the big the big practice before you sold it, was it pretty liberating to be able to just say, "I don't want to be involved or close to that," you know, traditional medicine? Oh, absolutely, yes, because it feels so right to me to just use natural therapies, and I can, you know, I can take blood and I can, you know, give a cortisone injection, and uh, you know, and I'll I'll do you know, minimal vaccination for puppies and, you know, so I can do that. Um, but I actually haven't used, I've, I've used antibiotics once in the last three years. I, I mainly use medicinal mushrooms and herbs now. I mean, that's fun. You know, and I, yeah. and I, and I, I just, and because I didn't have registration for a while until the, the hut was built, you know, like I just used more natural therapies. It was actually really neat that I had the kick in the bottom, you know, from the universe to, you know, start not using drugs as much. So Yeah. 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 And and I mean I also was very conscious when I came down here that I didn't want the two local vets to think I was pinching their customs. So so I, I made sure people went back to get their their drugs if they needed them from their regular vet. And I, you know, talked to the regular vets about what I, I'm doing, you know, it's just complimentary to what you do and and um yeah, now I'm working in really well with them. You know, it's a good system. And you know, because they're almost like I prefer for them to go back and get drugs from them and not from me. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I have to ask you, so when you mentioned briefly when the, the inspector came to look at your, your, your room, you know, w- were they just totally perplexed by someone who does what you do? You can't, oh, you can't have fit the paradigm, right? Well, I was, I was doing the same thing for my front room in Perth, you know, so they were used to me doing that. And there were a couple of uh-huh. other vets doing the same thing. And, and, 
um, yeah, so, but I wasn't mobile. It was just, yeah, they actually did give me um, their clinic status in in, in in that room, but but not hospital, obviously, because I couldn't do hospitalizations or um, anaesthetics or even sedation, you know, so it's just a consulting yeah. room only. Um, so it's good of them to actually, you know, classify us. Yes. Um, yeah, so it was, it was really just the same thing I've been doing in Perth, but here, and I got onto them a year before my clinic opened, that's when I started saying to them, you know, like I'm this weird person doing this, you know, can you get your head around it? These are dimensions of what my heart's going to be. You know? Yeah, so it certainly helped to get in early. I bet. Have you enjoyed your career? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I feel so um, lucky, you know, to be able to work in an area that I've, you know, it's almost like I created it myself because that's what I wanted to do and I've been allowed to do that. Um, you know, because I, and I definitely, what well, you know, prefer working with nature. Yes. If I can, that's for sure. What are your plans? How long are you going to go? Um, I'm 65 now um, and I sort of forgot that people were supposed to retire around about then. So, like, you know, like I'm fit and well and I enjoy what I do and I've, you know, got lots of clients. So I'll just carry on keeping on, I suppose, and, until otherwise, yeah. Do you, do you envision the telemedicine being a, an important part of your practice going forward? Um, it It's become that, again, because, mo- you know, like most people in Western Australia live in Perth, you know, mm-hmm. it's just the, you know, the numbers of it, you know, so so I, I like it. It's, it. I'm bound to have people. And also, the, like, the, the space between towns in Western Australia is ridiculous. Like our, our son lives in a town that's... Um, seven hours away from us, and it's still in Western Australia. It's seven hours drive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, pe- people get used to driving that distance, and and when he drives from Esperance to here, he, you've got to take your own food. You know, because often you can't even buy food because you're just driving, you know, past bush and farmland, and you know it's pretty isolated. Yeah. So so like telemedicine is almost essential because you can't expect people to drive, you know, five hours or six hours or whatever to bring their dog in that day. Yeah. And, but so, I am careful with it, you know, like I make sure if, it's, if, if a vet's got to see it, then I just say you've got to go and have an examination diagnosed from a vet and then if needed I can do a phone consult then or you need to go and get these blood tests or this biopsy or whatever, you know. So I'm quite strict with, you know, my regulation of what I do a phone consult for. You bet. So you've been doing it long enough. I have to imagine that um, the clients that you've retained over the years, you've probably gone through you know, maybe started with an older pet and now you're, you know, they get a new pet and, and you start with them fresh, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Which and that's got to be rewarding. Yeah. Oh, oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and they just tend to live for so long, <laughs> as you probably know, you know, when you, when you don't give them too many drugs and they have a healthy diet and all the rest of it, you know, they live till they're 17 or 18. And, <laughs> um, yeah. Which is a different sort of medicine, you know, because it's like, um, yeah, they, you know, because sometimes you think, gosh, if they've got the quality of life or, um, yeah, it's interesting. It must be re- rewarding to have that length of uh, commitment to the pet, but also with the owners. It is, yeah. And I've had some blooming great clients. Well, I still do. Yeah, so I'm very lucky that I, yeah, indeed. That's wonderful. Claire, it's been it's been wonderful chatting. I think this is a good place to leave it. Um, I'm so glad that you were able to take the time to talk to me, and it was just great hearing your story. Oh, so thanks so much for thinking of me. Yeah. Oh, great. Have a good day. And you too. All right. Bye-bye. 
This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. ZIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian, veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civtedu.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time.